Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Because when the Father spoke of him, spoke to him, spoke spoke of him rather, spoke of him to the people in Malachi 3.1, Malachi 3.1, one of the last words that God gives before the 400 years of silence, Malachi, end of the Old Testament. Malachi 3.1, the Father says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delighted. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So the last word that he gives in the Old Testament before the 400 years of silence is that I'm sending, I'm sending the messenger of the covenant. Who is the Lord? The Lord, whom you see, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. The Father says, behold, I send my messenger. This messenger is called the Lord, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to his temple. The messenger is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's called the messenger of the covenant. He's called the messenger of the covenant. Can you imagine? You know, he's, he's I got a message, I got a message. You know? And the message is a covenant. What's the covenant? Uh, he says, well, I'm the messenger of the covenant. The covenant is a new covenant. The covenant is a New Testament or covenant. What's that new covenant? We just were talking about it, Romans 5.1. There is peace with God now through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message of the covenant. What's the message of the covenant? Romans 8.1. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So just imagine Joseph as a messenger coming from his father with a message of love. My father has sent me, you know, our father has sent a message of love. He desires to, that you have peace. He's longing for you to return home. He's thinking, oh, he, you know, 100 miles away up there in Shechem, you know, when are you going to come home? And, and it, was, it was a message that he was bringing, Joseph was bringing. And just imagine the Lord Jesus Christ coming as a messenger from God the Father with a message of love from the Father and a longing. He says, I got a message for you. I have a longing for you to come home to the Father's house as your eternal resting place. So Jacob sent Joseph out in verse 14, and he finally makes it there, 100 miles. It's a long way. In verse 14, he came to Shechem. He came to Shechem. Okay, so he doesn't come there. He made it. And, and now that Joseph has finally made it to Shechem, there's a problem. There's a problem. We read about it in verse 15. A certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, what seekest thou? Now, Joseph, he can't find his brothers. 
And Joseph is described as he was wandering in the field. He was wandering in the field. Okay, now, here we can really feel Joseph's plight. This is a problem. Joseph is so far from home, and Joseph is all alone, and Joseph is sent to find his brothers, and Joseph can't find his brothers. His brothers aren't where they're supposed to be. And so Joseph is just wandering around in a field, and a certain man sits back and watches Joseph in a state of utter frustration, just wandering around in a field. Poor Joseph, he's discouraged because he can't find his brothers. What is he going to do? Because if he returns home, he knows how much this is going to disappoint the father he loves. And Joseph is Joseph is, supremely does not want to disappoint his father. And Joseph can't bear the thought of coming home and having to tell his father he couldn't find the brothers, and he's terribly sorry. He can't stand that. That's unthinkable for Joseph. Joseph would rather die than to let down his father like that. So what we see in verse 15 with Joseph wandering around the field is Joseph's perseverance to not go home empty. He's not going to do it. Joseph could not find his brothers, but Joseph was so persevering that he would not go back home without finishing the work that his father gave him to do. And Joseph was determined to finish the work. And he was not going to let this problem of not finding his brothers prevent him from finishing the work that he was sent to do. It would have been so easy for Joseph just to go home at this point. You notice the father's instructions in verse 13 when it said, And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come and I'll send thee unto them. I mean, that was specific. He said to him, They are in Shechem, you know. And it would have been so easy for Joseph to have gone home and said, you sent me to Shechem. I went to Shechem to find my brothers. I went there. They weren't there. And I did just what you told me to do, but they weren't in Shechem. So I came home. I couldn't finish the work you gave me to do. Now, Joseph could have done that because he was told to go to Shechem and find his brothers. He went to Shechem. They weren't there like he was told they were going to be, so he would not have finished the work his father gave him to do if he went home. But Joseph would not do that because he knew the work that Jacob gave him to do, and he was determined to finish it, and he wasn't going to let the fact that the brothers weren't there stop him. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by God He was sent by God the Father to earth. He came to earth, and it wasn't easy for him. And he ran into a lot of obstacles also. And he could have returned to heaven and said, you sent me to earth, I went to earth. But those people are crazy down there. He could have said, he said, they're out of their mind. They tried to kill me as a baby before I even spoke. They didn't receive me as their Messiah and their king. They tried to stone me. Then they tried to throw me over a cliff. I couldn't finish the work because the people are out of their minds. You don't know. They're crazy. See? But the Lord Jesus never would have done that because he knew the work that God the Father gave him to do, and he was determined to finish it and not let anything cause him to quit. He lived for the day when he could say to the Father in John 17, 4, John 17, 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. All this causes each one of us to ask the question, what work has God given us to do? Have I let any obstacles stand in the way of finishing the work that God has given me to do? 
Am I on this course right now to be able to say the words that the Lord Jesus said in John 17, 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, in verse 15, from a certain man's perspective, as he has identified a certain man, a certain man's perspective, it looked like Joseph was just wandering around in the field. I don't know what he was doing there in the field, you know. what he was Maybe Joseph was, he was like Ken Willardson. He's praying. He's pacing. That's what Ken does, you know, just paces back and forth. Just, that's what he does in prayer meeting. We all sit, Ken paces. Sort of like wandering in the field, you know. <laughs> what Ken does. Maybe Joseph is in the field. He's just like Ken pacing and praying. I don't know. But anyway, so there Joseph is. He's wandering, probably in prayer, wandering the field. And what do you know? What do you know? A certain man finds him. Boy, what's the odds of that? All right? Isn't that significant? When it says in that verse, a certain man found him, it was not just any man, it was a certain man. It was a certain man that was there because it was a specific man that was chosen by God to go help Joseph. I mean, wandering out there in the field, Joseph felt helpless. Why? He felt helpless because Joseph was not helpless because he was helped by the mighty God. He was helped by the mighty God of Jacob. That's what it says in Psalm 146.5. Psalm 146.5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. And he did through this certain man. Wandering out there in the field, Jacob felt hopeless. He felt hopeless. But Jacob was not really hopeless because Jacob was hopeful because of the God of Jacob. Because the remainder of that verse goes on in Psalm 146. 146.5, 146.5, Psalm 146.5, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Wandering out there in the field, Jacob felt all alone, all alone. But he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone because he had the presence of the God of Jacob. He had the presence of the God of his father. As it says in Psalm 114.7, Psalm 114.7, tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. Sometimes we feel like we are just like Joseph out there, wandering around in the field, helpless, hopeless, and all alone. And that's the time to remember that like Joseph, we also have the God of Jacob for our help. We also have the God of Jacob for our hope. We also have the presence of the God of Jacob. Now, God saw Joseph. He looks down there. He says, look, there's Joseph. He's wandering around the field. And so verse seven, to verse 15 says, a certain man found him because a certain man was sent to find him. And when we're wandering around in the field, God will send us a certain person to find us and to help us. That's our God. That's what he says in Psalm 32.8. Psalm 32.8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. In Isaiah 30, 21, Isaiah 30, 21, thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. No, no, don't. When you turn to the right hand, when you turn to the left hand, no, 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 no. You're going to hear a voice behind. See, the word certain is so special to us because we know that this certain man was sent by God. Thank God for the certain persons that he sends to intersect our lives just when we're wandering in the field just when we need help. He sees how we're like Joseph, and we're wandering in the field. And he sends a certain man to go find us, go straighten us out. 
I mean, that reminds me of the time when I, in, in Germany, when I finished my day working at, at Beringwerke up there in, in Marburg, Marburg, Germany. And I was tired. And boy, you've never seen dreariness like winters in Germany. I mean, it's, it's, it's cloudy. It's dark outside. And I was just looking so forward, forward, looking forward to getting back to the hotel room in Frankfurt where they had duck-down pillows. And I was thinking, oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, but, but you know, there's always a problem, and I'll tell you. Whenever I would go to Germany, wherever I go to Germany, I always struggle with fear. I do. I always struggle with fear. I always had this problem in Germany, and I always catch myself looking at buildings, looking at people, looking at hotel lobbies, and going in my mind back to the time of the Nazis when the six million Jews were murdered. And I've had nightmares in Germany. And because I, I would look at the buildings and the hotel lobbies and the people, and I and I'd afraid to close my eyes because I would think, you know, if, if I close my eyes, then when I open them, I'm going to see big flags of swastika flags in the front of the buildings and draping the lobbies and on the arms of the people. And, and I've always struggled with this uh, in Germany. Now, on this day, I got on the train there in Marburg, and we were going to go through Gießen before we got to Frankfurt. Marburg, Marburg and Gießen are both big university towns, big university cities. So the train, as usual, was packed with students. I mean, there were students everywhere, young students. They were standing in the aisles. And I was tired, and I wanted to sit down, so I was kind of going cabin to cabin. I found, found this cabin, and there were students, of course, in there. But there was one seat that was free. So I thought, okay. So I went there, and I, I sat down. And I thought, you know what? This is a great opportunity for me to deliver these grandchildren of the Nazis. I'm going to deliver them by bringing them the Lord Jesus Christ. So I started to tell the students the gospel, you know. And, oh, they gave me the most vicious looks and declared, how, declared to me there is no God and how I was a fool. And then they all got off in Gießen. And I was furious. I was furious. I started to hate all Germans again. <laughs> and I told God, look, God, you don't understand. There is no hope for the Germans. And I prayed that God would just scorch Germany, just scorch it, send them all to hell for their crimes because none of the Germans could be saved. That's where I was, very bad. <laughs> I was so far from God. I, I was just like Joseph wandering in the field. You know, believe me. And I, I was just so full of hate and a desire for revenge against the Germans as I saw them all as unsavable. No hope. And I was sitting in the, you know how I was? I, I tell you how I was. I was like this. I had my arms crossed like I was the judge. And I was sitting in the chair, in the, in the train like that. And I was praying, judge them all, judge them all. Anyway, the door opens to the train compartment, and this old couple walks in, probably in their 70s. And they sat down, and I thought to myself, uh-huh, old enough to have been Nazis. Here we go. And I started to glare at them. And I prayed for God to judge them for their involvement in killing six million of my people. And so I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. And all of a sudden, the old man leans over to me and with the most tender voice asks me, do you know the story of how God loved the world and sent his son to earth? <laughs> he says to me, <laughs> I was praying for this man's judgment. <laughs> so I said, no, I don't. You know, I was mad at him. And he looked at me with the most tender blue eyes. I mean, I can see him now. 
And he starts to tell me the gospel and explain about man's sin. And then he starts to talk about how much God loved the world and wanted so much for the world not to go to hell. And then he got into this, explaining how God sent his son to die for our sins. And when he got into that part of God sending his son to die for our sins, he starts to cry. And he started to cry. and And it wasn't just a little tears. Tears are bouncing off his pants and falling on the floor. And it's, they're just, just running down his cheeks as he's telling me this. Well, that was too much for my stubbornness. You know, I broke down, and I told the man, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the train pulls into Frankfurt, and I got off the train. And I remember standing on the platform, stunned, just stunned. And I said, I need a quiet corner. It's not easy to find in Frankfurt uh, train station. That's a very busy place. Anyway, so I looked for a quiet corner in the station, and I got over there, and I told God, I don't know, Lord, if that man was an, a man or an angel, and, and it doesn't really matter, but I told God that I was very sorry that he had to send that certain man to find me because I was so out of line, and I made a vow. I made a vow then that I would never write off any people again. Now, what happened to me that evening there in Frankfurt? Verse 15, verse 15 happened to me. On that train, I was like Joseph wandering in the field. I was lost in the feelings of anger and revenge. And a certain man found me in that train cabin, and and he straightened me out. And thank God for the certain men that find us when we're wandering in the field. Verse 15 of the certain man finding Joseph wandering in the field is also a great encouragement for parents. Why? Well, there's Joseph. Who is he? He's the favorite son of Jacob. He's wandering in the field, and if Jacob knew that his favorite son was wandering in the field, Jacob would have helped him. But his father could not help him. His father did not know that Joseph needed help, so his father could not help him. But God, the God of Jacob, helped Jacob's son. That reminds me of a missionary that spoke right here, came to the chapel, and told about how she had raised her children on the mission field, had them always with her, and they, she felt they were safe and secure with her because they were with her. And on this particular trip, on this furlough trip, they were back here, speaking at the chapel, back at the States, and she had to leave her children here in the States so that they could continue their education. And she was so disturbed. She talked about not being able to sleep because she was worried over her children. And whatever was she going to do? She she couldn't protect her children. She couldn't be with her children. They're going to be here. And God gave her a verse that gave her the peace and assurance. And the verse is Proverbs 14.26, Proverbs 14.26, which says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. And from that verse, she heard the Lord say to her, you just follow me, and I will give you a strong confidence so you won't have the worries, you won't have the fears, in the safety of your children, and I'll always make sure your children have a place of refuge. So verse 15 is for us parents who, like Jacob, when our children are out of our reach of our help and our children are wandering in the field, God will send a certain man to find them and help them. Now, when we read, in verse 15, and the man asked him, saying, what seekest thou? The man asked him, saying, what seekest thou? This certain man saw there was something about Jacob's face. He was seeking. I mean, what does it look like when you're looking for something that you lost? You know, 
something that's important to you. How do you look? How do you look? What's important to you? Okay? What happens when you lose your cell phone? Well, I don't know what happens with you, but, you know, I do. <laughs> There's a certain anxiety. There's an inquisitiveness. There's a diligence. There's a searching. There's a, I can't, I got to rack my brain. Where did I go? Where was I, where was I last, last time? There's a, you know, and, and there's this, there's a tension. There's a tension to it all. And think of how it is when you look for your cell phone. There's the, you know, you're, there's, people can see you got a concern, well, you can with me, a concerned look on your face. You know, I'm petrified, not only losing my cell phone, I'm petrified I'm going to bend over and my cell phone's going to drop on the floor for the fourth time. <laughs> okay? And break the screen. So that's why I gave my shirts to Tammy the Taylor. I said, Tammy, I said, take the pockets off. Put new pockets on. Make the pockets deep enough for the cell phone to go in and put an inside lip in here that's this long so I'll clip it over my cell phone every time I do that. And I brought to her just recently 20 shirts. She thinks I'm crazy. Why? Because you're concerned. When you lose something, you're the concern look on your face. When you look, lose something, there's a look of anxiety on your face. When you lose something, there's, there's a look of diligence on your face. You've got to retrace things. Where were you? There's a look that I have to find my cell phone on your face. There's a look of pain till I find my cell phone on your face. There's a look of I'm not going to give up till I find it on your face. And that's the look that was on the face of Joseph. And a certain man read that look, saw that, read that look, and he knew, you're seeking for something. That's the look that Joseph had on his face. And that's the same look that the Lord Jesus had on his face when he said his whole mission in life it was Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man is coming to seek and to save that which was lost. And he has this look on his face. He's got the look of concern on his face. What's going to happen to the lost if they die in their sins and they go to hell? He's got the look of anxiety on his face as he, he thought of, of souls slipping into hell. He's got the look of diligence on his face as he's giving himself, go find the lost before it's too late. He's got the look of, I have to find the lost on his face. He's got the look of uh, pain till I find them on his face. See, that's all the look of I'm not going to give up till I find the lost. That was on his face. Everyone knew it. Everyone could see it on the Savior's face. And that certain man saw that same look on Joseph's face as he was looking for his brothers. And that's the look that should be on our face when we seek to bring the gospel to the lost. You know, we treat the gospel too casually. Like, oh, well, you know, I'll just wait for someone to come and ask me. You know, the Lord just didn't sit around and wait for someone to ask him. He sought the lost. And the look of, there was a look of tension and anxiety, sharpened senses, looking and not wanting to miss anyone. That's all that's involved in what's seeking. You know, the other day at our plant down in Ducati, you know, I was giving a tour to 20 people. They're from Tijuana Medical Industry. And actually, the president of the Ministry of Health, very important person, the president of Mexico, in Mexico City was there. And the tour, I give a tour, but it, for me, it's a gospel tour. That's the way it's designed, to be a gospel tour, bring people the gospel. And that was hard for me because I was trying to hold eye contact with 20 people because I was looking for and seeking who is responding to the message of the gospel. Who's responding? And that's kind of a look of tension and anxiety and sharpened senses, you know, and you're, you kind of, that's what was on Joseph's face. That's what was on the Lord's face. That's what should be on our face. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and help us, Lord, to glean from it the truths that you want to change our lives with. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.